0: So wave your hands. (laughs) Don't just raise your hand to answer a question or to read a scripture, but I'm going to need some assistance tonight. And as we're looking at here, and just on top of it all, my computer picked today to throw all kinds of insulting messages at me about my it's got a virus and Need to renew this, that, and the other. And so I've been working on that the last hour or so. so. All right. Well, let's get started tonight. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask your touch upon our time together tonight. We pray, Father God, that your word would come alive to us. That, Father, we'd not just study it, but it would study us. We pray, Father, that we would grow closer to you and have something to share with somebody else. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. 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 We are in John's Gospel, of course. We are all the way up to chapter seven. Moving on to chapter seven. And uh, we'll get started there. John chapter seven, beginning with verse number one. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, that's a good reason, amen? I'm not going to walk over there, they want to kill me. Now, the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers, therefore, said to him, depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. No one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. Well, there's... There's humor in here, you may not see it yet, but my time has not yet come. Your time is is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast, I am not yet going to this feast, going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And when he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. Any of you ever have any problems with siblings?
1: Do we have to go
2: there? No, we do not. Uh, <laughs> uh, just don't leave it alone. <laughs> you know. Yeah. We can
0: it. Sibling rivalry. I can't even imagine what it was like growing up in Jesus' house. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, Mary tried to keep peace between Do you like your brother. Yeah, you like your brother best, you know. Uh, he traveled all the way to Bethlehem to have him, you know. Uh, I need somebody to read uh Matthew what is that? Matthew 13, 13 53 to 58. Okay, Marsha will thank you, Marsha, for waiting. I have Matthew 13, 53
1: 58. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief.
0: Okay, this is Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth. He wasn't born there, but that's where he was raised. And uh, the people in town said, "Where did he get this stuff? You know, we we've seen him around. He's he's Joe the carpenter's son. He's Mary's boy. There's his brothers. There's you know James and and Joseph and and Simon and Judas and." And they don't even list his sisters' names. We don't know how many he had. Uh, these are all half-sisters. He was born of the Holy Ghost through Mary. But later on, Mary had other children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, people dispute this, but it's pretty well clear that the people of Nazareth knew the story, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: They did not call uh James and and uh, Simon and Joseph and Judas didn't call them stepbrothers or or whatever uh, or cousins. cousins didn't call them cousins call them his brothers mm-hmm. and this is not just one place but several places in the New Testament where these uh, listings are found and we know that initially, his brothers, his earthly brothers, did not believe in him. Bottom line, did not. And we have no reference about his sisters, but it's assumed the same way. The uh, the interesting thing here about family issues. What would have been some of the family issues, do you think, in... in uh, Uh, Mary and Joe's house. Yeah.
1: If you were a younger sibling, and Mary would say, why can't you be more like Jesus? (laughs) That's a big one.
0: Yeah. Why can't you be more like Jesus? Well, there's several reasons why we can't. I'm hopeful that Mary didn't do that. Yeah. Because she kept these things and pondered in her heart. But uh, uh, that would have been a... A real tough way to go, wouldn't it? Did any of you have uh, older uh, brothers and sisters who you were compared to, and you fell short in the comparison? Anybody here? <laughs> Wave. I couldn't see her. Oh. Would anybody respond? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, anybody tell any stories? We're just gonna be kind about it. Oh no! I just,
3: I, I just went and stayed
1: with my aunt a while. <laughs>
0: I'm out of here. What, is, what are some other situations? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Back then, your name was very important. Jesus wasn't necessarily given the family name a lot of pride back then. He was either a kook or a false prophet, you know, and so I'm sure the rest of the family would not happy about that. Yeah, because uh, we
0: find that one of his brothers is named Joseph or Joseph. So not the o- not the next oldest, but down the line they brought Joe's name back into it, into the picture. So here you have uh, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, all good old Hebrew names. Jesus, not so much. Yeshua. Uh, the, uh, you know, it just kind of sticks out there. And the more his fame grew, probably the worse it got in Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we remember one time when Jesus went to uh, minister in the synagogue in his hometown, and they wanted to take him and throw him off the precipice of the hill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he walked through their midst because it wasn't his time yet. What are some other things that happen when there's uh, yeah, wait, yeah.
2: I always
3: wondered if Mary um, continued to be
2: looked down upon for having Jesus out of one and if that was an issue the whole yeah. time or if they, people forgot about it. It does
0: not appear to be because, as you recall, uh, before she was Visible, uh, they were out of town. She first of all went with her cousin Elizabeth and then before the baby was born, he not wanting to make a public spectacle of her was going to put her away privately but then the decree from Caesar Augustus came and they took off uh, under uh, expressed uh, commands from the angel of the Lord. Uh, So we have no no reference points. Any time that Mary is referenced in the New Testament, other than the pre-birth area, uh, we have no stigma attached to it, and uh, whether there was or not. But you know, small towns—if there was a stigma, they would have—they would have come up with this. Uh, is this not the carpenter's son? Well. What do you expect? Mary, you know. you know. Uh, you know there's, none, there's none of that there. There's none of that there. And they believed that he was a part of that family. And that he was the eldest because it lists people that were lesser age than he was uh, eliminating the false teaching of some churches that that Mary was an eternal virgin and had no other children. So they had to write new books of the Bible to try and document their false teaching. But it's pretty clear that the people of the town in which he lived knew who his mama was, who they thought his father was, who the boys were, and didn't even list the girls' names. We we don't know who they were. Uh, there, There are several other Books and theories out there that some of the women that followed Jesus were his sisters as well, but there is no no documentation in the scriptures of that. So it's just a the Bible doesn't tell us everything, but it tells us everything we we need need to know for salvation. It, it, it just doesn't say uh, things about everything. I mean, how big of a book would it be, you know, if we, we had all of the all of the details and everything? And it's not the story of the whole world. It's the story of God's people in a certain location and their interactions with those around them. And people want to. Well, what about this? And what about those people over there? That's not what this book is about. It's telling us that God selected a certain people through which his Messiah, the Anointed One, would come as Savior of the world. And there's only one way in. Uh, So it's not meant to be a history of the entire world. It tells us how everything got started and God's purpose and plan. And isn't it interesting that after however many thousand years there have been people on this planet everybody's focus is still back to a little, tiny land called Israel yeah. today. I mean, what, what are some really small towns that you've been to, any? Some real small towns. Can you think of any?
2: Randolph, Ohio.
0: Randolph.
2: That's where I'm from. Where?
0: It's by Kent.
2: Yeah, it's, it's probably. 20. Kent's the big
0: city. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you at
2: least know you know where Kent is. So I know but where
0: Kent is. Yeah, you always describe it. When I when I was going to the school of winter, <laughs> I would say, "Well, where are you from? Columbus, Ohio." Well, I wasn't from Columbus, Ohio. I was from Mifflinville,
1: Ohio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which does not exist anymore. And it was you know, dinky little white spot in the road. All we had, we didn't even have a stoplight or a stop sign. We had a bar and a gas station and a an little wheeler's market. That was it. You know, On Route 3, south of Westerville. Everybody knew where Westerville was, but nobody knew Mifflinville. Uh, do you imagine people on the other side of the world are strategizing about Randolph, Ohio? Are they taking that into consideration (laughs) in their foreign policy? No. (laughs) No. I mean, little itty bitty out of the way spots don't get any notice. But even many thousands of years later, everyone has to take into account their relationship with a place called Israel. It didn't even exist for close to 100 years. But it exists now. And everybody has to take it into account. What are some other possible... Uh, we're, we're talking about the the family issues that they had in Joseph and Mary's family uh, with between Jesus and his brothers. Uh, we're going to look at that a little bit tonight. Any other issues that could have cropped up? The, the key one probably was... Mm-hmm. You know that what Mike said earlier—that you know why can't you be more like Jesus? Now Mary probably never said that, but you don't have to say it for the brothers to pick right. up on it. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. You don't—you don't have to say it for the brothers to pick up on it. Did you talk
1: about the fact that there were many wives for some men?
0: Yeah, you know it was uh, a lot of people had multiple wives. This was not biblical. But people still did. But in that area, it's one man, one wife, and uh, so all of the all of the ide- idiosyncrasies of society of that day came into play. They all knew who Jesus' family was. Everybody knew, and uh, the, he was raised there. They knew what job his dad had. Uh, Nazareth was a dinky little place. It was a really dinky place. And in the circle of the time of Christ, many of the people there lived in the caves of the hillside. Nazareth is on the top, basically on the top of a limestone hill. And that's the precipice over which they were going to toss Jesus uh, that one time when he came back home for uh, to preach in the synagogue. Yeah, what a what a welcome home that was! Right, and uh, so some of the, some of the do you have any reference in the scripture how pe- other people felt about the people of Nazareth? Anybody remember? Yeah, yeah. one of
1: the apostles, I think Nathaniel. Nathaniel said, well, does anything good come from? Get
0: anything good come out of that place?" You know, can anything good come out of Randolph Ohio? Yes it can. Look right back there. He's a product of Randolph. They probably have streets named after you there, don't they? There's streets named there for you there, right? No. They have streets, right?
2: Uh, a few. Oh, two, good. two two
0: main ones. Yeah, two main. Huh? Broad, Broad and high. <laughs> yeah. But uh uh that was the opinion of a fellow from a little dinky town called Canaan. Remember Nat, uh, Nathaniel was from down around that neck of the woods? And when they said, uh, we found the Messiah, the prophet, he's, he's, he's the prophet of Nazareth. Huh? What, in the, what good could come out of that place?
2: Probably
0: the equivalent of saying someone from Youngstown. Yeah, Youngstown. Or, uh, you know, can anything good come out of... Orient or, or uh, yeah. anything good come out of the bottoms, you know, of the, the west side of Columbus. We, we take a bad rap on the west side, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. The only and, thing I knew about the west side when we
1: were growing up was they had some kind of mental... Yeah, the mental fa- facility was here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there were threats. I, I just
0: must admit, there were threats that if, if we didn't shape up they were going to drop us off at the west side into <laughs> the
2: loony bed
0: <clears throat> I, I, you know that was all I knew about the west side I had relatives who lived here which mm. kind of belonged to that whole <laughs> strategy but, uh, but here we have the time yeah,
1: wave, wave good right. thank you uh, going back to the, the family issues, I th- think about sibling rivalry, and and I wonder if maybe Jesus was the peacekeeper of the rest of the siblings, or Mary was, or Joseph was. But knowing Jesus and his nature, I'd have to think that maybe he was the peacekeeper of the, the younger kids. I doubt that he would be in rivalry with anybody.
0: Right. You know, he was, uh, uh, he was different. And uh, Mary and Joseph didn't... Understand it when he was age 12. How many of you had trouble understanding your kids when they were 12? You know, they didn't get it when they left him and they forgot him in Jerusalem. And uh, they, where, where is he? And they retrace their steps. Three days later, they find him. He's still at the temple asking and answering questions of the sages of, 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 of the Jewish uh, temple there. And uh, he said, What? done you know you know how how bad we feel what you've done to your father He says well I'm about I'm, I must be about my father's business and they just kind of huh you know sometimes you you can forget you know uh, it was a big thing to forget but they said well, look what you put us to any of your parents relate to that mm-hmm. when you your, your kids wandered off or something, or they didn't report in, and you said, when I find him, I'm going to kill him. You know know what I'm talking about here? (laughs) Well, I'm going to kill him. I'm I'm so scared for him, when I get him, I'm going to kill him. Uh, Which is probably not a real righteous thing to do. But uh, they were so frustrated. Can you imagine three days? They can't find the 12-year-old. There, you know, they were in the big city of Jerusalem, which would, had swelled at the Passover time, and uh, they, they, he was where they left him. That's usually what happens when we walk away from Jesus, he'll be the last place we left him. And uh, so they were saying, that? how can you do this to your father? And he says, uh, I was about my father's business. How many
2: people do you think it, uh, Israel would have or Jerusalem would have swelled to during that time? Around
0: 50,000 the estimates are at that time of the Passover. Mm-hmm. And one 12 year old kid.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> From out of town. 100 miles away. The, the the interesting part of the story for me has always been, they were several days out. They were a day out, you know, uh, and they're going. Around. You can just see them, you know, going to the campfires. Hey, have you seen Jesus? No, I haven't seen him. Well, I thought he'd be with you. No, he's not here. You know, so they had an attitude about Jesus that he was going to be fellowshipping and playing with the other kids his age. He was not some weirdo that just kind of floated around ethereally, they, they assumed that he was with other families from Nazareth. Uh, he, he wasn't a loner that didn't fit in. He was there. And uh, he was on the, the guest list, you recall, from the very cu- first part of our study. He was on the guest list to come to the wedding. He was not a, an outside loner that nobody liked. They invited Jesus to the wedding. Uh, so, they're going around campfire. I I can picture it. it I, I look back to the time when we raised our kids at Big Prairie Camp. Any of you ever been there? Big Prairie Camp? Yeah. And it, it was not big, nor was it a prairie. Right. But it was our camp, and it was great. It was awesome. And we would set up different camping areas, uh, and of an evening, one of the big things the evangelists would do, they'd go from campsite to campsite and have some fellowship, and they'd bring out some snacks and s'mores and, and uh, hobo pies and whatever, and the evangelists thought it was the greatest thing on the planet. And so we never really were concerned about our kids up at Big Prairie. We knew they were somewhere on the grounds, and uh we take a tour of an evening and try and locate my, my my family. Yeah. That's <laughs> like
2: Camp slicker now. Yeah. We're yeah. just like Cam and Adrian. Yeah, they're they're all over the
0: place. Yeah. You know, hey, where are you I'm over here with so and so. And they they adopt him into the family. I know JR uh, has been touting that he's been adopted into the King clan uh, because <laughs> there's so many of us up there. And uh so he's he's taking that seriously. But uh that was the kind of the camaraderie of all the people that came down for the feast down to Jerusalem, 100 miles away. They had to camp out on the way back. And up in the evening, Mary said, Joseph, if you seen Jesus. Well, no, I, you know, he's probably around here somewhere. He's probably over with uh, Zachariah's kids or whoever. You know, well, you know, it's possible, but let's go find him. So they go around campfire to campfire. Have you seen Jesus? It's not our kid. <laughs> They're starting to really feel like bad parents, right? We're going to kill him? And so they, they left the group and went back to Jerusalem. You didn't travel by yourselves in those days, it wasn't safe. There were robbers along the, the roads, but they left the safety of their group and went back to Jerusalem. And it's not a little tiny bird. Those of you who have been over to Jerusalem and you have just walked inside the walled city, okay? How many of you? Uh, some of you have been to the the bazaar market area, okay? Is that unbelievable or what? Yes. Sir. Just, I mean. You're walking down these narrow little things. There's people over here, people over here. They're shouting at you, wanting you to buy what they have. Here, come, come, look at me. i no, come, come. On. And, and uh, the whole city was like that. And they're going to, they're trying to find one little 12-year-old boy. And so, uh, he, he was a... A unique child, and yet not a strange child. You know, understand mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get at? You know, it wasn't that he was just kind of floating around doing miracles as a kid. You know, that's mythology. That's not Bible. The Bible. What does the Bible tell us his first miracle was? Wedding. The wedding at Cana yes. of Galilee. And uh, so we have all of this, all of this family issues going on. And what does the scripture that we read at the beginning tell us about his brother's attitude? They were all younger brothers because he was the eldest. They were all younger brothers. And what does it tell us about their attitude toward Jesus?
2: They didn't believe him.
0: A hoax. He was gaining popularity. Uh, they didn't believe in him. You know. They'd heard the stories, they'd heard the miracles, and we we don't know all the things they thought he had he lost it. Because he said, I'm 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 doing the work of my father. This is my job. This is what he said, well why don't you stop and eat? He says, No, this is this is my food. This is what what I, I grew strong in. And uh, different other times. He, he, one time when they were gathered outside, he says, your, your mother and your brothers and sisters are out here. Wait. No, he says, and he says, look around you. Those who do the will of my Father, they're my mother and my brothers. He was not putting his mother and his brothers down. He was just letting them know that everybody had equal access to Messiah Jesus. That he was not going to play favorites. Now, Those same uh, false teachings that emanate from some uh, church groups, uh, the Catholics and the Reformed, are similar in this, in that they ascribe other characteristics to Mary that the Bible does not ascribe. That you should pray to her, that she is a co-redeemer or redemptrix with Christ. But that's not what Mary believed. She says, he's my savior too. He's my savior too. And uh, so there's all kinds of family issues going on here. But his brothers did not believe that A, he was the son of God. B, that he was doing all of these deeds through God's sovereign power.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And I wrote down there, at least I think I did. Yes, I did. They didn't care either. How do we know from that initial scripture that we read? They really didn't care all that much about little Jesus. Huh? Who didn't care? His brothers. Oh,
1: brothers.
0: They didn't care. Because what they tell him to do? Remember? I mean, it's only been a few minutes ago. You know, memory lapses and all that aside, but... There's a few minutes ago, go back there in uh, let, let, here let, let
2: me take you back. Uh, uh, it was in uh, John chapter 7. That's where we are, okay. And, 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 and
0: uh, his brother, verse 3, go back to verse 3 of chapter 7. His brothers, therefore, said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Right before that it said, after these things, in verse 1, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee for he did not want to walk in Judea. Why?
1: Could the Jews wanted to, to kill him.
0: The Jews wanted to kill him. And his brother say, Hey, why don't you go to the Feast of Tabernacles? Wow. Everybody's going to be there. You can show your stuff. And you'll get more followers. And Jesus said, My time is not yet. Oh, he's going to go to Jerusalem one day, and one day he's going to die in Jerusalem, but not right now. That's not the time for it. So they, they didn't believe in him, and they really didn't care about him in that way. What does that say about his brothers? Yeah, they didn't care. I understand it said that. I mentioned that. But what, what else does it tell us about his brothers?
2: Kind of malicious towards him.
0: <laughs> the issue is not that, that Jesus, why did he do that to his parents? Why did his parents forget about it Have you ever, yeah? Wave
2: that hand, I can still answer right. We also know that it has to be that way because Jesus is God. Jesus is perfectly morally good, and, and it would be a sin to be disobedient to your parents. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, we, we know for a fact that however we read this passage, it can't be read that Jesus took off on his own and basically told his parents to condosal. It, it can't yeah. be an interpretation based on his nature. Because... Uh-
0: who was it that wrote those things about honoring your father and mother days right? <laughs> name's are I know. He did! <laughs> yeah?
2: And honestly, like, I'm responsible for my 12-year-old. Yeah, yeah. My 12-year-old is not
0: responsible for, you know,
2: make sure you I mean, you tell them that, but the onus is with me. <laughs> yeah. How many of you have ever forgotten a kid someplace? Uh, Anybody? i mean, yeah. it.
0: Yeah, I told him. I know I've told the story, but it's, it's a different crowd. So uh, My first church was uh, Sugar Tree Ridge, and United Methodist Church, and right across the street was the parsonage. And I just come home after Sunday night service. I turned all the lights out, locked the doors, came in. Uh, we're going to get something to eat. Uh, it's always a priority. Uh, going to get something to eat, and the phone rings. And says, Pastor, this is this is Kipper. I says, oh, Kipper, uh, what can I do for you? He says, uh, uh, we can't find our son. We may have left him at church. Oh. He was asleep. And we got to talking with people. Would you go over and check? And I said, I'll go over and check. So I want God. I read him, went across the street, opened the, the old church doors and went in, turned the lights on there on the back pew. Just sleeping soundly is their little son. He's probably like one or two. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, I scooped him up and took him back over to the parsonage and I called him back and he's here. <laughs> man, man, he never woke up. I don't know if they ever told him. <laughs> I really don't know. How do you break the news? Well, we were all the way home, 20 miles away, and uh, forgot you. They only had one kid. How do you do Well, they did
2: So, yeah, thank you. We went we to went with the youth group, and we had Abby in her car seat, <laughs> we walked in. And we started. We started. Carolyn. We went inside. Ah. Said, started. Carolyn. I think it was Melissa from said, Hey, where did you, you go? Ah. We went outside. was screaming her car <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> And didn't you feel like a great parent? I
2: felt like a great parent. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> Mary and Joseph had to feel. And then you can imagine Mary probably had flashbacks. I'm reading things in. I understand that. I bet she had flashbacks. It was just 12 years ago. An angel came to me and said, I would be Mary the Savior of the world. And I left him here all by himself. A little bit of guilt going on. But his brothers... They didn't believe in him, and they didn't care about his safety. They urged him to go down to the big feast where there'd be 57,000 people and show your stuff, even though they knew they wanted to kill. Boy, that's a scary portion of Scripture. And yet the Bible is full of bad brother relationships. Can you think of any? Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Those were two brothers. They were twins, basically. Yeah. They were twins, yeah. and uh, they were messing with each other all the time because their parents showed favoritism. The father favored the older one, and he was older by like one second. And the mother favored the younger one. And it, it was a it was a messed up uh, messed up home situation. And so you have what, what does uh, Jacob do? Uh, to get back at his brother. Anybody remember?
1: Well, you tricks him into giving
2: him his birthright. Yeah, first
0: of all, he 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 was uh, handy around the, the kitchen, and he's cooking up a big plate of mutton stew, and and uh, Esau comes in from the fields, and he's all hot and sweaty, and he says, man, that smells delicious. No, I bet it is. Oh, yeah, it's, it is good. It is good. What, what would you take for it? He says, Well, I'll take your birthright. Well, sure. You know, well, good you news. know, I'll take your inheritance from you. You know, there you go. And he says, sure, and he he, he said, uh, that's a deal, it's a deal. Here's a mobile soup, I get all of your riches. And then later on, Esau had some second thoughts about that. And then later on, it's time for the uh, their father to Rest the blessing of the firstborn upon him. Okay. And uh, here you got it. you got a dysfunctional family. If they're not just today. They were big time dysfunctional families throughout the Bible. Yeah? Yes. Because his mother comes to Jacob and said, "I really want you to get the blessing of the firstborn." He said, uh, "Let me help you." She dresses him up to fool his blind father. I can relate to that today. You know, <laughs> his his, his daddy's blind. He can't see a thing. And and so she she says, well, you know, he'll want to reach out and make sure it's really Esau. He says, so uh, put some lamb's wool on your chest and on your arms and... And uh, make up some stew and take it in and convince him. Change your voice just a little bit. Hi, I'm Jacob. No, I'm Esau. You know, go in and fool your fool your blind daddy. And he did. What a dysfunctional family. And as a result of that. Those two brothers just bonded, didn't they? <laughs> what what, what was the going on between those two brothers? Esau planned on killing That was his goal in life. I'm going to kill him. It wasn't a figurative speech. It was a reality. He was going to kill his brother. Can you think of some other uh, family issues in the Bible? Yeah. I was going to
2: say these all these little things, particularly the stories pertaining to either Jesus himself and his family or Jesus and his disciples, all these embarrassing stories are, is part of, uh, when historians look to determine what they think is true, Mm -hmm. one of the criteria they look at that makes it more plausible that something is true is called the criteria of embarrassment. Right, you're not gonna write something down typically that's gonna embarrass you unless it's really true and it's really a part of the part of the story. So all these little bits and pieces where they don't yeah. his old brothers don't even believe he's God, and you know, they're they're basically trying to send him to a place where he's gonna get killed, these are all embarrassing for Jesus in the story, and yeah. therefore makes it actually more credible than if they were in there.
0: I forget, maybe you know, the the one theologian who called it the warts and all proof of the Bible. Mm -hmm. That it's not a sanitized book. It shows dysfunctional families. I mean, there were some pretty messed up people that God used. Yeah. David and Absalom. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Yeah. David and
0: Absalom. Then you got King Saul chucking spears. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's Here, come sing for me. Sit right there while I chuck a spear at you. Uh, you know, and David came back for supper. You know, this is this is weird stuff. This is all oh, weird stuff. But it's in the Bible, it's true. Okay. You yeah, know,
1: from the very beginning. Adam's kids.
0: Yeah. Adam's boys. I mean, they came right out of the garden. And... Uh, Cain wasn't all that crazy about his brother because God favored his sacrifice because he made a sacrifice according to God's plan. A blood sacrifice. Not a grain sacrifice for forgiveness of sin. A grain sacrifice was for peacekeeping. But we don't need peace with God. We need the peace of God through being made right, through a sacrifice, a blood offering, a, a a trespass offering. So, uh, they get together and Cain's upset because God received the sacrifice of Abel. And they're out in the field and tell me what happened to them. These loving brothers. We don't know how Cain killed Abel. We do not know. Some people say, assume a rock. Some people assume he strangled him. Some think he beat him with a rod, shoved him off a cliff. We don't know, but he killed his own brother, killed him dead, and then lied about it to God. Not not a good career choice. What are some other uh, sibling issues that we find in the Bible? Joseph. Joseph. Oh my. Goodness gracious. If you ever had an inferiority complex, now David didn't help himself any. You know the story. God was, you know, all, 11 other brothers, and God's giving visions to, to young Joseph, and young Joseph makes a mistake of sharing those divine revelations with his brothers. Yes, I saw all the planets and all the sheaves of wheat and they all bowed down to mine. You know, that's not going to win you points with your brothers. Oh, really? And so when he comes out to bring him a lunch out of the sheepfold, they say, here comes the dreamer. And that was not a compliment. And they took him, and first what they do to him first, what was their first plan? <clears throat> what they
1: were going to kill him.
0: They were going to kill him. While they thought about it, they threw him down in a dry well. A okay, <laughs> threw him down in a pit and uh, took his fine jacket off of him. His coat of many colors that his father gave to him. His father, dysfunctional, showed favoritism to him. And what did that get him with his with his other brothers? So, so the. He's down in the pit, and they say, well, we're just going to kill him. And then, uh, one of the brothers intervenes and uh, said, wait a minute, look over there, look over there. Some of our cousins are passing by. They're slave traders. Let's make some money off the boy. So they, they pulled him out of the pit, and he said, oh, good. Oh, bad. They sold him to the Ishmaelites, cousins and took him off and then they continued to lie to their father. What the, how they lie to their father? They
1: dipped his coat in
0: blood. Yeah they took it, killed a killed a goat, dipped his, says, look what happened to your favorite son. Oh my boy. My boy. And they let him believe it for years. Now that's a one miss uh thing. It's not just one brother wanted to do yet, but All of them wanted to do him in. One of my favorite portions of that, of that story is when they come back to Egypt years later and they don't know, they don't know that Joseph is, is standing in front of them. And he says, do you have any other brothers? Well, we had one. He died. Oh, really? <laughs> we have a younger brother. Well, bring him in. I'd like to talk to him. And uh, the, the, the stories of that, just amazing. But can you imagine what was going through the other brothers' heads when Joseph stood before them and said, I am your brother Joseph. What might be going through your head if you had sold him into slavery and, and threatened throw him down and try to kill him and everything. What might be floating through your mind?
1: Right. Don't worry.
0: Uh-oh. Run. Get out of town. Oh, my goodness gracious. The, uh... They said, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. And what a, what a phenomenal story. But the Bible is full of bad messages on my computer.
1: Try
0: that again. It's chock full of messed up families. How many of you have wondered sometimes, boy, my family's not all that great (laughs) either. (laughs) But God can even use messed up people that give their life to Him and He can turn it around for good. Yep. Jesus, the Son of God, had brothers that were willing for Him to go down and get... They, we don't know if they wanted Him dead, but they knew that they were looking for Him. Why don't you go down and show your stuff at the Feast of Tabernacles? A lot of different stories in the Bible about messed up families. So when you're feeling bad about your family, (laughs) I told you, my older brother Barry one time started out to do a family tree, and after several branches (laughs) revealed the lousy uh, heritage that we had, a bunch of moonshiners and thieves and Horse thieves and all kinds of messed up. He, he gave up on it, it, was, it, it just wasn't worth founding out. I, I you know, don't you wonder about some of those people. Well, I did an ancestry search and I come from royal blood. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You believe that. You paid a hundred bucks for them to tell you that. But it doesn't matter how messed up your family that you came from. My dad wasn't saved until his deathbed. My grandma and grandpa, something else. (laughs) Something else. Maddie and Jesse were always at war and tried to bring us grandkids into it. She didn't talk to my dad for the last three years of his life and we lived next door. She held a grudge. Uh, You can come from a messed up family, but know what? Bible's chock full of them, mm-hmm. and yet there's victory in Jesus.
2: Amen.
0: Yeah. Well, we need to move on. What time did somebody help me? I the clock is out of my range. Five to eight. Seven fifty-four. Okay. I thought it was ten thirty.
1: <laughs> Boy, I see that. They're up for a while.
0: <laughs> They're going up to one of the three mandatory feasts of presence going to Jerusalem. The Feast of Tabernacles. And we've, we've talked about it numerous times before and I just want to highlight a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles. And the three main feasts were Passover where we have the Passover lamb where Jesus died for the sins of the world. He was God's Lamb. And then we have the Feast of Pentecost or First first Fruits where the first harvest of souls came in on the day of Pentecost through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Feast of Tabernacles is the third of the required feasts that talks about ultimately God's provision and that ultimately we're going home. That where we are it's just temporary. Amen? It's just temporary. Now, i had issues this morning with my computer. It took on a life of its own. It, uh, I'm not a computer wizard at all. But I'd like to try and show a little snippet of a video about Sukkot, or Sukkot, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. And it was to commemorate, the Jews still do this to this day, They still make up outside dwelling places to live in for seven days, or at least hang out there and have their meals there for seven days. And uh, we have several references in the scripture about the Feast of Tabernacles and how that they were to commemorate the wandering of the Jewish people for 40 years in the wilderness in temporary dwellings. Now, let me do my best to find this video. And this is a Messianic Jewish video. I'm sure it is. Here we go. Hallelujah! It's there. Let's
3: try this. It is prophesied when Christ comes again, we will gather at the wedding feast of the Lamb, celebrating the triumph of the Savior over all things. To be taught of this significant event and other teachings, Israel was given the feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. Understanding this feast not only teaches us of the last days leading up to the Second Coming, but also of the Savior's role as the light of the world the Living Waters, and the King of Kings. In addition to daily, weekly, and monthly worship, Israel was commanded to participate in three major feasts, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot. Occurring during fixed times at the spring, summer, and fall harvests, These feasts were meant to both remind Israel of past events and teach them of future events. Let's now look more closely at the third feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, which Josephus called the most holy and most eminent of the feasts. On the first day of the seventh month is the Feast of Trumpets, also known as Rosh Hashanah ushering in a period of 10 days of penitence for the people to prepare for the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur. As the holiest of days, it is the only day when the High Priest could enter the Holy of Holies, symbolically taking Israel into the presence of the Lord. Israel is now forgiven of their past sins and prepared for the holiest of the feasts, the Feast of Tabernacles, which begins five days later. The feast's connection to the final harvest of the year foreshadows the final harvest of souls at the coming of the Messiah. According to the law, Israel was to build booths or temporary shelters to dwell in for seven days from the 15th through the 21st day. These booths, also known as Sukkot in Hebrew, were generally moderate in size with at least three walls, and a roof made of branches. This likely was a fun time for children as the families ate and slept in their temporary tabernacle or sukkah, almost like camping in the backyard. The purpose of living in the booth was to remind the people that Israel dwelt in booths after the Lord brought them out of Egypt. It also could remind Israel that the Lord dwelt among his people in the tabernacle, which stood in the center of the camp of Israel. John taught of when the Savior came to earth that the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Just as the Lord was with the people as they escaped bondage and wandered in the wilderness for forty years, so too is our Savior with us as we seek out shelter from our worldly cares and troubles. He will always dwell with us if we let Him as we journey towards our own promised land. In addition, the Lord commanded the people to celebrate by taking the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and rejoice during the feast before the Lord. Despite it being during Passover, when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem riding on a donkey, the people greeted him by waving palm branches, This was likely due to them understanding the connection of Jesus triumphantly entering Jerusalem and the coming of the Messiah during Sukkot. By waving palm leaves and shouting Hosanna to the Lord, they were obeying what was commanded in the law. During the second temple period, additional celebrations were added to Sukkot, Each morning during the seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles, a procession of priests came down from the Temple to the Pool of Siloam, whose water came from the Gihon Spring, and was the principal supply of water for Jerusalem. With a golden pitcher, a priest drew water from the large pool. Because it came from a spring, the water was considered living water, and used for ritual purification. The priest then took the pitcher of living water and returned to the temple. As they arrived at the court of the priests, they circled the altar once, and then the priest poured the water out onto the altar of sacrifice. They did this for each morning for the six days. On the seventh day, called the great day of the feast, the same ritual took place, except the priest circled the altar seven times instead of only once. This ritual symbolized Israel's request that the Lord bless them with rain for the next harvest season. On this very day, when Israel was praying for rain, Jesus proclaimed, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, Out of his his belly shall flow rivers of living water, By Jesus proclaiming that he was the ultimate source for living water, he was giving a clear and direct declaration of his divinity. The day following the feast, Jesus found a blind man and spit on the ground, making a small amount of mud. He anointed the blind man's eyes and told him to wash in the pool of Siloam, the exact same pool where the priests had drawn living water for seven days. The blind man obeys and is healed. Eventually he is able to see the one who gave him sight. Like the blind man, we too have the opportunity to see with our spiritual eyes and to be purified with the living water, even Jesus Christ. On the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, in addition to the water drawing ceremony, the people gathered at the temple in the court of the women. Young Levite boys climbed up to four massive candelabras, lighting their large bowls filled with oil. This light was so bright that it is said that every courtyard in Jerusalem was lit. It is in this same area of the temple, just days later, that Christ proclaims, I am the light of the world. Just as the light from the candelabras shone over the entire city, So too does the light of Christ shine throughout the world for all to see. In scripture the fall feasts were also connected with several significant events. This was when traditionally kings were often anointed with oil as king of Israel. Solomon's temple was also dedicated during the feast of Sukkot, and the presence of the Lord came down to accept his temple. Significantly, it is during this season of Tabernacles that we look forward to the coming of Christ as the King of Kings, coming to His temples or places of worship. The prophet Zechariah declares that all nations will celebrate Sukkot when Christ returns, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year, To worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is a wonderful time of joyous celebration, as we are now living in the last day. Praise God.
0: Okay, Uh, so the Feast of Tabernacles was to remember what had happened, but to prophesy what was going to happen. And as we have noted this before, the pouring out of the water, uh, Jesus proclaiming He is the living water, the, the the bread of life that we talked about in relationship to the various feasts, reminding us of the bread of the manna of the wilderness when they were there. God provided. We drink. It says that they drank from the. Oops, better get it back
2: where you want. Whoops
0: okay and we see the, the relevance of this how that it says in Corinthians that they drank from the rock <coughs> that followed them, and this rock was Christ. So the symbolism of the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, where they were to every year remember how God took care of them in the wilderness and how He's taking, and He abides with us today, and that He's the living water, He's the bread of life, He's the light of the world, He's the coming King. And uh, this was the feast that Jesus went up to secretly, not announcing to his brothers. They went up and then he came secretly. And uh, we'll pick up there. But before we do there in, in verse 10 to 15. Can I get some volunteers? Uh, my uh, visual ability is fading on me here. I need a volunteer to read John 7, 10 15. Okay, be ready for that. John 7, 25 31. Okay. And then John 37 to 39. Okay. Uh, uh, Mike's done. Okay. Let's do that then.
1: Uh, 10 through
0: 15.
1: But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews saw him at the feast and said, Where is he? and then there, and there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. Some said, He is good. Others said, No, on the contrary, He deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and talked, and the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Okay. So,
0: this is during this Feast of, of Tabernacles. Jesus is going up to the temple, to the court of the temple, and uh, teaching there at Solomon's court. Uh, any questions about the Feast of Tabernacles and what happened there? This is just a brief explanation of that feast. We could do a, a further study because there's all kinds of special foods and fruits and all different kind of things that happened at Sukkot or Sukkot. Uh, any other thoughts about the Feast of Tabernacles? What the symbolism was? What? Well then, let's move on. So what at portion of the scripture 7, 10 to 15, uh, Jesus went up secretly, not drawing any attention to himself. Uh, but people recognized that he was there because he he did not hide from teaching, amen. Mm-hmm. He went right up and talked. So the uh, he's not hiding the gospel. Yes,
2: I find it interesting that uh, you know sometimes we try to please everybody, we try to be kind, and well, we should tell the truth in love. But even here, we see the most perfect man who could ever live, the most moral man who could ever live, you know, it says that, some say he's a good man, but some say, on the contrary, that he wasn't. And this is the most perfectly moral creature. And uh, so if they were saying that he was a bad man, or something like that we shouldn't, you know, as long as we know we're walking in truth, mm-hmm. we shouldn't give that, give that too much money. And
0: yeah, we were, in the morning class, we were talking about the fact that Uh, fools uh, the uh, I'm having a brain freeze. Hold on a second. I'll get it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of knowledge. But fools despise instruction. Mm. And they despise Jesus. He was despised and rejected of men. Yet he he died for the sins of the whole world. If you speak what Jesus spoke, if you live what Jesus lived, there were those who will despise you. Mm -hmm. And this has come up uh, several times to me recently. The importance of not trying to please people. Now don't go out and try and mess people up, but... If we're our goal is for everybody to like us, that's going to mean somebody's not going to like you. That's the Lord, because they didn't like Jesus, and uh, we will be despised. People will hunt you down, <laughs> and right now people are being hunted down in other parts of the world for following Jesus Christ. So this the perfect one, the sinless Savior, they said he's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a fraud. <clears throat> John 7,
1: 25-31. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this time they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his time had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in Him. They said, when Christ comes, will He do more miraculous signs than this man?
0: So what's going on here? Jesus is not hiding out. He came to town secretly. Mm -hmm. He didn't come to make a show, but He didn't stay silent. He went to the temple daily during this seven-day feast. Every day, Jesus is showing up at the courtyard of the temple, and he's teaching boldly. And what are some of the people?
1: You, we bow down to your throne, and we ask you, Father, that you bless the leader of our church, Lord, which is you, but we ask you to bless the pastor. And we ask you, Lord, that you just touch. we ask you to bless the doctor, that you bless their hands, and it's done it's you working on them, but they're just, intermediate people. But you are a healer. And we pray, Father, you you your like you did We've been mm-hmm. God today as you was yesterday. If you did then, you can do it now. I believe that in every healing. I believe that in everything, Lord. What you did then, you can do now. And always get weak in the faith. Be strong in the faith in you, Father. In Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Of course, in Jesus' name. Father, that you be with the other ones in here that have prayer requests. And we ask you, Lord, you just flow over their body. And that you just give them comfort and give them healing, Lord, and love. Let them feel love. Let them feel like they know you're with them. And, Lord, they, we all need to know this, Lord, that you are with us. And we, we need your strength sometimes, Lord. And we pray, Father, that you just touch us in a very special way that... We don't never turn away from you, but know that you're the only one that's been behind us all the time and guiding us and directing us and getting us through bad times and helping us with good times. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for you, Lord, we'd be crushed like, we be just like the world. Lord. So we thank you so much. And We praise you, our Heavenly Father, and we praise you, Jesus, for what you did for us. and We thank you so much, and we just know that we but it's just truly, truly a happy love. We thank you for that happy love, Lord, and we ask you to just pass it through this whole building and every building right now that we worship and the Lord, and home. In Jesus' name we pray, for you.
0: Father God, we submit all of these things to your hand. They're out of our league. There's nothing we can do about any of the things that have been lifted up. You're the healer. You're the savior. You're the Lord. You're the redeemer. You're the guide and director. You're all wise. All knowledgeable. You know how to guide us and direct us. So Father, we submit all of these requests to your hands. And we lay them there, Father, realizing that as we keep them there, they're in the right place so that you can, in your sovereign will, touch each situation according to
2: your perfect will yes, and bring about the miraculous results. Yes, we ask,
0: Father God...